Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 98 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in an ever-so-cramped orange sidewinder this episode are our chief bar steward here at Lave Station, Mr. Grant Psychocow Wilcott. Good evening. Good evening, mate. Our chief archivist, Mr. Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. And our Chief of Operations, Mr. John Stabler. Hello! <laughs> if that wasn't enough people, we also have the station's Head of Entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Good evening. Good evening, folks. Okay, well, this evening we've got quite a few things. We've got, uh, obviously, the announcement of the new Elite Dangerous Arena, which <laughs> I think a few people might be uh, switching over to this channel from the Elite Dangerous live stream, where they've been streaming uh, the Arena Deathmatch for the last three hours. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to have some wild speculation on what 2.4 is all going to be about. Obviously, we have no idea, which makes speculation just as much fun as always. And uh, we've got the latest uh, dev updates from... Mr. Brooks, and from Frontier Developments. So without further ado, let's find out what the crew have been up to, both in and out of the game, for the last week, starting with Mr. Stabler. <laughs> I'm glad you came to me first. No, I'm not, because uh, uh, I was just trying to rack my brains what have I been up to this week. Um, not a lot, really. I've just been busy working. I know it's going to sound really boring, but that was it. Oh, the bit of sad news is that, uh, unfortunately, my Kickstarter didn't get funded. So, there you go. Get the violins out. Oh. Yeah, we did see that. But um, weren't you using that by the end? Weren't you saying that uh, it was more of sort of like a dev blog to help you get sort of feedback and that you're going to be working on it sort of behind the scenes, ready for a comeback at some point? Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't given up on the project by any means, and um, yeah, I'm going to carry on with it. Um, I'm hoping to have something exciting to show off at LaveCon, um, but ultimately, you know, the requirements for funding are still there. It's not like I was asking for money just for fun. Um, so <laughs> in the meantime, I will have to look for some other route to funding, I guess. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and um, why do you think it was? Uh, why do you think it struggled? What the sort of things did you identify that might have been a problem? Um, I don't know. It's, it's so hard people. to Just yeah, people. people. It's pe- <laughs> people's fault. No, um, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. You know, <clears throat> maybe um, I just don't have you know enough friends in the right kind of uh, who are into the right genre of games. You know, obviously a lot of people I know are into elite. Maybe there's not a lot a lot of crossover between elite and a kind of first person fantasy game like that um i when i was on twitter trying to promote it i found that was a bit of a, like a an echo chamber just full of other indie developers tweeting about their games you know um yeah. i got i did get i did do an interview with um like a game uh podcast uh, game radio show, uh, but not a lot really came of that in terms of traffic, and I, I think it was a bit of bad timing as well, because by the looks of it, there was a lot of other indie games released around the same time, and usually towards the end, you hope that you know your game kind of gets bumped towards the top, so yeah. you know when there's only a few hours left, uh, but that just didn't happen with mine because there was so many uh, so many other games there, so um, probably lots of different reasons, um, you know. I, I did all the things that you would think that you needed to do, like have a have a playable demo and have plenty of screenshots and a video, all the stuff they normally recommend you do. But 
you know, maybe it's just, maybe there's just no interest, you know, you've got to consider that as well. Uh, and that's what Lave Card will help me do, I guess, is at least drum up some interest in it. People have been able to actually play it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, well, sorry to hear about your Kickstarter, buddy, but I'm sure it'll be big, uh, back and bigger and better than ever before. But uh, let's find out what Mr. Jar... Actually, no, let's wait for Mr. Jar, but let's go on to, uh, <laughs> let's go on to Colin. Uh, Colin, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, whew, um, well, I've been a little bit ill the last couple of weeks, but uh, fully recovered now. Uh, we've done a little bit of testing on the uh, the tabletop game, which I'll, I'll discuss later in the show, uh, and, and just potted about in the game, really, um, just getting uh, a feel back to it after having a little bit of uh, time away. Um, apart from that, um, everybody was, being, was uh, gushing about XCOM 2. Uh, and I suddenly discovered that I've got the XCOM 1 on on my Steam and uh, gave that a go. And it was one of those 3 o'clock in the morning jobs when you suddenly realise, oh dear, I shouldn't have been playing it that long. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> so hold on, is that the first time you played the original XCOM? Not the original, but obviously the, the first sort of reimagining. The original reboot, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, the reboot one, yes. Uh, oh, okay, so how did you I've go with it, that? Oh, very well, actually. Um, it didn't take me long to, to get the hang of the, the Overwatch and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, um, if, I don't, if I do say something myself, I was actually quite good at the original XCOM, so it didn't take me that long to get my, uh, my tactical head on. So <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find it in terms of uh, you know the because obviously the original XCOM was uh, quite punishing uh, the reboot was pretty pretty faithful to that apart from obviously you know you had to go into Overwatch pretty much all the time did you uh, did you find it unforgiving um, yes and uh, it did bring back the horrible memories of when poor um, when when you lose one of your your favourite your soldiers, you're there going, you're having a mental breakdown because you know that you, <laughs> they died because it was your fault. Yeah, was it? Because sometimes I just thought that game was ridiculously unfair and I'd be shouting at the screen saying that was blatantly not my fault, you know? <laughs> there no, there were elements of it that were very challenging, certainly on classic difficulty on the, the XCOM that Colin's playing. When the Thin Men get introduced... Their yeah. weapon has a has a default plus ten bonus to to hit. So I had one I had one particular turn where all my soldiers were in hard cover. Mm-hmm. Four thin men each took a single shot at my four soldiers and did four kills in four shots. <laughs> and that's just I mean there is nothing and I think I think I was playing on Iron Man as well, so there were no backsies on that. And that happens, and you just think, God, this game, absolutely, there is nothing I could have done other than have them all, you know, in hard cover. Uh, but anyway, yeah. See, I, I have this thing. You say it's, you know, a shame when your favourite soldiers get killed. It's worse for me because I name all my soldiers after friends and family. <laughs> so I can... I can say that I can say that my unit called Fozzer is doing reasonably well. Um, I can say that I can say that rookie Alan Stroud's first mission out did not go very well for him, um, <laughs> unfortunately. So I take it who? So Alan's obviously bit the big one. Uh, how many other members of the Lay Radio crew have you got left in your team, Jarvis? Uh, actually, no. The Lay Radio crew aren't doing too badly. They've had some injuries. They've spent a lot of time in the sick bay. They're not, doing, they're not doing too badly. I'd have to load it up to look. Uh, no, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, before we go on to you, Jarvis, uh, 
Cow, Mr. Mr. Psycho Cow, what have you been up to this week? I know you're playing CQC, so yeah, try and multitask and let us know what you've been up to. I'm getting my arse kicked again. Actually, these guys are um, they're 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 they really are kicking my butt at the current minute in uh, CQC. <laughs> but you know, it, it just depends on your the round that you get. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. This week it has been all about our organising elite meet. We're about to go in tomorrow and uh, tidy up all the rooms and get the reservations completed, um, which is going to be fun and games um, I've done a little bit of XCOM 2 which is just downright frustrating and brilliant um, <laughs> I remember saying to you it was difficult to work out how, where to go and name your team but you can export your team as well so you can create a sort of default pool of names so that when you do eventually give up out of absolute disbelief and grief and anger you can restart and they'll, they'll all be alive again he's <laughs> like yay <laughs> So, um, currently you are, I think Foz is not too bad, I've managed to keep you alive, but barely, and then I was demonstrating <laughs> to people how, you know, one move, one step too far can ruin your game, as within the first, you know what, your starting point, and I ran the team along the front of the building, and one guy, so it was just like one full move, uh, to the full extent of his, his move he was the last guy that I moved and as he l- arrived at his destination he was right next to an alien turret Ooh. and I just he's <laughs> just one of those yeah that's, that, that's this whole game screwed as the turret took him out and then it spawned not only did I trigger the turret I triggered three lots of aliens including two of the snake men so that was it. It was game over. <laughs> it was just, it was just horrible. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about that game. I, I've been doing some smuggling from uh, Robigo, and uh, yeah, I've been doing a fair bit this week. And uh, yeah, dealing with cats because they are an absolute <laughs> handful. Okay, so talk to me about the the smuggling because obviously I've just uh, got back into the game and I'm doing my wonderful sort of grinding with my my trade anaconda. But I fancied the smuggling because about two months ago. Yes, two two months ago, I think we lost was there for a second, but um, he, in fact, you were asking me the other night there about a trade route that I was currently on, because I was just doing some trading in my unshielded T9, as I like to do, and uh, of course, Fozza comes in, <laughs> asks me for a good trade route, and then I log off the night, and when I come in the next day, my trade route's completely and utterly trashed. Um... <laughs> But then I decided to go to Rubigo and I found online someone was sharing uh, a list of uh, a build of a Cobra, which is guaranteed to help you with um, getting the smuggling, because the biggest problem with smuggling now is that you get interdicted left, right and centre, um, and it's very tricky. Okay, so, so what do you get interdicted by? Um, system authority, pirates, you name it, they all go crazy for you. And, and can you do a sort of a brave Sir Robin and you know, try and jump away before they uh, attack you? Or do they literally, they're right on top of you and shooting it's, straight away? It's, well, there's, I mean, there's a number of ways to do it. I did it in a, an ASP beforehand, and an ASP is a relatively slow ship. So when you arrive in a system, you'll see the messages coming in. Aha, there you are, I have a message for you. And you get six of them, and you get two system authorities going, approaching the smuggling suspect. Uh, and then you get, aha, there you are with your big cargo. So you're thinking, oh crap, <laughs> I am absolutely well and truly screwed here. And you are. And uh, the problem is that the system authority scans you and then all the missions that are smuggling just cancel. You fail them instantly. 
because oh really yeah if they are that sensitive ones because some of them say things like you know if you're scanned the mission's over so you gotta be ah, careful so that's changed then so that's yeah. changed from the original ones and, and it's, it's, it's ten, it is a hell of a lot trickier than it used to be. So, you need speed. Speed is your friend. And, of course, you've got the, the whole mixture of speed versus cargo space, because the more cargo space you've got, the more missions that you can take. Um, and that is one of the sort of eternal dilemmas. <laughs> it's, okay, it's so you've got a build for a Cobra Mark Three. Yeah, it was somebody put it up, and it, yeah, it can get well. It's got a top boost speed of what four hundred and forty, and so what you do is, if you are pulled out by system authority and they start the scan, deploy weapons, target them, it then causes them to abort the scan while spamming the boost button like a fiend, and that uh, <laughs> that gets you clear. And since I've had this build, I've managed to succeed, and I've made thirty-eight million today. Which is Bloody an obscene, okay. an obscene amount of credits, and that is part of the downside of of the whole uh, smuggling thing. Is of course that you tend to make money far too quick, and people would consider that a bit of a an exploit, especially if you have the Cobra build because it does make it easy again. Because it used to be very easy at first, uh, and then they kind of this this came in and made it a little bit trickier. But yeah, it's back to being quite easy if you've got the right build. Oh dear, I can hear our audience screaming out, No! Why have you announced that on the air, on the airwaves? Now everybody's going to be doing it and they're going to fix it. Um, well, no, which is obviously I mean, a possibility. I think, you know, to be honest, it makes sense in the sense of the game that smuggling should be in there because it's one of these things where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a profession and it should be quite lucrative um, for people to be able to do it. And there should be a challenge too. Uh, I think if you want to really sort of knock it on the head, then remove all the money that comes in from that, from affecting your trade rank. Because to me, it's, yeah. it's a very quick way for me to get this last step up to Tycoon, um, which mm-hmm. is obviously something that I'm aiming for. So, you, you know, you want Tycoon, and I can get, what, 2%, um, or three, I think I made 7% of my way increased in my ranking uh, this morning from all this. So that's not great in respect to it being a little bit of a, 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 a real easy route to, to do that and that's something that should be difficult you know and I, th- I think so anyway and I didn't use the going into different modes to stack the missions up however I did uncover a way and when I told someone hey if you just abandon the cargo it will allow you to stack more of the missions on top and then all you've got to do is just go and buy slaves near that destination and they're like <laughs> did you not know that from before and I'm like alright okay so I'm teaching my grand to suck eggs Um <laughs> And that was, you know, that was it. So, I mean, there's ways of stacking the missions legitimately if you wait for the 10-minute respawn, because most of these missions give you a ridiculous amount of time to complete them because you are jumping two to 300 uh, light years to get to yeah. your, your next destination. So, yeah, well, okay. things. Well, interesting. It's definitely something. Now that uh, now that I've uh, raped and pillaged your, uh, your trade run, I'm now going to have a look at your smuggling run and your Cobra build. <laughs> Just to really annoy you. Um, okay, moving on to <laughs> moving on to Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis, you have been doing something exciting this week. I know this because I was actually doing it with you. That sounds really dodgy. That sounds ridiculously dodgy. <laughs> oh, highlight of my week. Highlights. 
Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly what we could say about the exciting thing we're going to do, uh, we did. But um, obviously, uh, listeners will be aware that on the 1st of March, it will be Lave Radio's 100th episode of the main Lave Radio show. Uh, it'll be our three-year anniversary and 100th episode, which takes in around about 200 hours, 200 plus hours worth of broadcasting. Um, and as part of uh, the main show, we've got a few side bits and bobs that we're doing uh, a few sort of celebration pieces around the 100th episode um, some of which I don't think there's too much of a spoiler going on in there but uh, some of which involved what Jarvis and I did this week which was go down and visit uh, Frontier Towers now obviously we had to sign Is an NDA when intro? we went down there no it's not uh we had to sign an nda when we were down there um so i'm not entirely sure what we can talk about but to be on the safe side i'm going to hand over to jarvis who's figured out what we can talk about and what we can't talk about yeah i mean so in terms of people kind of knowing a little bit about what we're planning we're sort of planning a few interesting things for the hundredth show uh and the anniversary um just some stuff that really we're hoping Lave Radio listeners will kind of get on board with and really enjoy. Um, and, you know, something that we've not done a lot of before, that's all I'll say kind of for now. But, uh, yeah, that should be really good. So we've been working quite a lot last week on on sort of plans for the 100th and what we're going to do. And then, yes, as you say, on Friday we went to Frontier uh, and Zach gave us a tour. Um, and I t- I, what I can say, you know, without worrying about NDAs, um, is is just how fantastic everybody was yeah. while we were there. Zach was fantastic. All the staff we met were fantastic. And, yeah, just a really fantastic, really fantastic visit. Huge thank yous uh, to Zach and Ed for just making that day just absolutely brilliant. I think things we can say, and we can't tell you about anything that Frontier Edge got. I can say that Fozzer and I, I believe we were told, <laughs> we're, the first people out, we're the first people outside of Frontier to see a fully working build of Planet Coaster. Yeah, um, and it was, it was bloody can't tell impressive. can't anything that was in it. Yeah, can't say about anything was in it. Um, but Johnny Watts, who's the, the producer on that game and the, the, the CCO at Frontier, basically just sat us down and just kind of gave us a, a walkthrough of all kinds of, of all kinds of stuff. And it does look it does look really good, actually, I have to say. Um, it's it was one of those games where I'd been debating whether to just wait for it to come out or whether to kind of buy into the early bird access. And having now been to Frontier and having seen it, I'm thinking, oh, I really kind of want the early So it's, it's you know, all, all I can say, all I can really say is it's really nice. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the other stuff, I mean, we saw, obviously, people working on stuff on screens. I don't think it would be NDA breaking to say that we can see, you know, we could see people working on stuff that was clearly for engineers. Yeah, because that's not really a secret, particularly that they're working on engineers. Um, and we also got a, an hour with David Braben to sit down, uh, interview uh, David for uh, for the hundredth episode, um, and to just pick, you know, really just pick his brains about various aspects of Elite Dangerous, kind of past, present, and future, really. And that was a fantastic interview. I mean, David is always so great to talk to about the game uh, because he's such an evangelist, kind of for his for his vision for the game um and also he's pretty you know he's pretty open about talking about stuff and uh yeah we're just kind of waiting on i mean obviously we're not going to play that interview till the 100th episode anyway 
Uh, and we've obviously, you know, to be completely fair, we've given Frontier the option of um, having a listen through to the interview and just checking there isn't anything they said that they didn't mean to say uh, with the recorder in front. So, yeah, really good visit to Frontier, really amazing. And I think, and it's just, you know, really does give you a kind of feel for the kind of people working on the game. And I know, you know, an awful lot of the stuff, I mean, you know, we, we sort of always speculate about why things do or don't happen. I think realistically, you know, the, the impression we get is they are pretty much just trying to work on everything, but obviously time and resources uh, are limited. So, you know, some stuff happens, some stuff doesn't. I think that's pretty yeah. much a good summary, isn't it? Yeah, no, oh, I will say, I do need to say something else about, about two little nice uh, elite elements of our of our trip to Frontier Towers. Um, one is that Fozza uses auto-dock on his car, uh, <laughs> which is something that I've never seen before. And the other thing is I was quite pleased that Fozza took a wrong turn and did actually have to do a loop of shame to find his way back to Frontier, which I thought was... Uh, Quite appropriate. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'm obviously not going to live that one down, am I? I completely <laughs> nutty went straight past Frontier and had to loop round the next roundabout in order to come back and, and dock. But yeah, the auto-docking, I've got a, a VW Tiguan that, uh, that, that does like to uh, to dock itself. So it's the first time Jarvis has ever seen a car literally just sort of take over the steering and, and dock. Um, I didn't, in fairness, I didn't go as far as playing the Blue Danube over the stereo uh, whilst <laughs> it did it. But maybe that's, maybe that's what I should have done. But no, again, just to echo what Jarvis has said they were yeah they were great down at frontier they were really welcoming really passionate as well i mean johnny watts on uh, on planet coaster i mean that game is in safe hands there's, there's just no doubt about it i mean johnny watts what literally just sat us down and just you know the, the passion that he spoke about that game and all the excitement and stuff the stuff that he's putting in there uh it was just infectious so uh, like jarvis i was wondering whether or not to jump on board to the early bird access but i think uh, having seen it i think i'm probably gonna have to uh, have to spend my cash and, and go and join the rest of the masses that are uh, roller coaster tycoon fans and, and join up for that game so it looks like it's going to be amazing um so yeah so introductions out of the way let's uh, quickly go to an advert and then what we will do is we will come back and we will jump straight into this week's development news I was overseeing the delivery of some slaves to the starport in Exios and a cleaning robot had just washed the floor but not left a warning sign I had to run after a slave that was escaping and I slipped and fractured my wrist I was delayed for 10 whole minutes while the Medicomp repaired the damage. My time is billable. Can I get compensation? Yes, you can. I was on a regular trading run back to Seoul, and it was my job to repaint the outside of the ship. I was given the wrong kind of EVA clamps. Nothing bad actually happened, but it did give me a fright. Can I get compensation? Yes, you can. I was checking some robots through customs when I distinctly heard an official call the robot clanks. I was deeply offended, even though I'm not a robot myself. That's their word. You're not allowed to use it. Can I claim for moral outrage? Yes, you can. At Cowell and McGrath, we are now taking any kind of legal action. No case too small, no justification too frivolous. If you've been lightly inconvenienced, embarrassed, or in any way put out, then someone should be made to give you money. Don't be a stupid clank. Uh, excuse me? Cowell and McGrath. Taking on any case. Playing the percentages. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean... When do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? 
But with venusdating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple. With so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... (laughs) Shooting (laughs) Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. Okay, so we are back, and let's catch up with the latest development news out of Frontier Towers. Uh, starting off with newsletter one on one. This obviously had the um, the latest patch, which we knew was going to be a, quite a few CQC fixes, a couple of small fixes for the main game, but mainly focusing around the CQC uh, due to the fact that obviously there is a bit of a focus on CQC, or as we shall now be calling it, Elite Dangerous Arena. Oh, um, nah. <laughs> Arena, which uh, let's just quickly jump into that. Actually, obviously they've made the announcement today, and for those of you who have been skulking around the Elite Dangerous store today, you'll have noticed that there is a standalone version of CQC, standalone version of Arena, for a mere four ninety nine of your good English pounds. No, not four hundred ninety nine pounds. Four pounds ninety nine p. What do you reckon to this, guys? Do you reckon it's a, it's a good move um, by Frontier to release just a, just the arena module? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's an excellent idea. I think it's going to lower the barrier to entry for loads of people, and a lot of people, you know, you'll see something for for a fiver and just think, I'll pick that up and try it. Um, I think in terms of it, because because obviously, kind of what we hope. Well, this this is how I term it, but I kind of hope that people will come for you know the CQC and kind of stay for the real game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's always a danger that you know, in the same way that we kind of said about that original trailer, that the pace of it didn't reflect what actually playing Elite Dangerous is like. In the same way, CQC doesn't necessarily reflect what playing within the kind of wider world of Elite Dangerous is actually like. So there is a danger that people are going to enjoy CQC and then d- decide to come in and actually be be disappointed by the wider game. But that's that's pure speculation. I don't, you know, people might enjoy CQC and come in and absolutely really love it. Um, but just to my mind, there's a slight danger there. But I do think it's an excellent idea to have CQC there as a, uh, you know, a very sort of budget, um, you know, deathmatch type game. Uh, I think the thing for me that would really make it particularly excellent is if arena was a standalone module that could be run on a LAN. But I know that LAN parties are a bit of a kind of, you know, not, not as widespread as they once were. So it's probably not worth uh, the development time. But I think if it was available just as a kind of, like say as a LAN client that you could run locally, that'd be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of the things we weren't sure of until uh, we heard back from Frontier is that obviously you can buy the Elite Dangerous Arena module, but you will obviously play with the same players that have got the full Elite Dangerous game that obviously can get into the CQC or other arena um, from 
the uh, the main menu, which is great because one of the things that a lot of people have been complaining about in terms of the arena or CQC model is that it's been a little bit quiet in there. There was a, a big upsurge of people when it first came out. There was a few matching problems that they were having in terms of network issues and stuff. Um, that's all been solved, but there didn't seem to be you know, the mounting of people still playing CQC. So obviously, as you said, Jarvis, this is a small barrier to entry. It's five pounds. You know, it should give a really nice injection of people uh, back into the uh, the CQC um, uh, the CQC arena, the the, the, uh, the play <laughs> the play yeah. style, um, well, which hopefully should make the uh, the matching work out a lot easier. Yeah, and as I understand it, you get that if you decide to then buy Elite Dangerous, you get that five pounds back. Yeah, you do. You get it off the uh, the main game, which again, you know, really clever piece of uh, piece of publishing from uh, from Frontier. And you know, this is this is one of those things. It's nice to see Frontier developments growing, uh, not just as a software developer, but as a, a software publisher. You know, in the past, these are the sort of things that you know, you know, one of the publishers that you team up with would uh, would suggest. Now the publishing has gone completely in-house. They've got a great publishing team that we saw when we went down there to visit. And these are all the sort of things that they're now taking control of and saying, well, you know, what's stopping us from doing this? And, yeah, I think this is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic decision by the publishing team. Um, obviously, Grant, you've been playing this tonight. Colin, you've been a CQC fan in the past. What do you make of Arena coming out for a, a fiver? I think it's a great idea. Um, I've been playing uh, the CQC tonight. Um, in fact, actually, I've just finished coming off it because uh, <laughs> I've just got my backside spanked as usual. Um, yeah, I think it is a good idea. It is allowing people to come in, uh, as, as Chris said, at the lowest level. And um, I think I think they'll get a feel for the ships. Uh, and to be and to be honest, if you want that kind of feeling again, then head to a high intensity combat zone <laughs> and see how you do there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, it might not be quite CQC, but it is uh, it is quite hot out in the uh, the high intensity areas. Um, okay, so. The, uh, to coincide with, uh, obviously, Arena coming out, the uh, Frontier are also running CQC Mayhem for the next four weeks, which is obviously beginning tonight, Tuesday, February the 16th, and it ends on Tuesday, March the 15th. Uh, it's basically inviting you to take part in intense player-versus-player action in custom-built arenas set within the Link Dangerous Galaxy, blah, 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 blah. Simply start and then earn experience point to unlock new weapons modules and abilities so your standard cqc fair um but as of to, as like tonight you will actually have the chance to go up against some uh, frontier developers uh who are going to be jumping into cqc over the next four weeks as well so um that cqc mayhem will be running until the 15th of march so uh check out the frontier news sites to get all the information on that um not else not a lot else in the newsletter actually apart from this one jumped out at us uh i'm gonna butcher the name though um i solar uh prospect in the Bresla star system now always stocks all ships and modules now this was one from the um from the um the patch notes i didn't know that there was actually a solar system out there that you basically go to as a one-stop shop for all the modules and all the ships that you might want to buy in elite dangerous um did you guys know of this place or is it uh, a well-hidden secret um 
And this is the first I've heard of it. I mean, obviously, the, the Founders World has all the all the options and all the ships. Uh, but no, this was the first time that uh, I noticed. And, I was, and it, it stood out because I thought, well, now that everybody knows, that's that will save a lot of uh, jumping around and trying to look up wikis to try and find out which system you'll get your A-rated jump drive at. Yeah, jump drives and um, cargo uh, racks was the other one that I've uh, spent many an hour jumping around the galaxy trying to get the right size cargo rack for, uh, rack for some of my ships. So uh, now that I know that uh, the Brestless star system is the place to go, uh, I would just be making a beeline straight for that. Now, is that what they wanted? I mean, does that take some of the fun or some of the, the gaming element out of, uh, you know, or the guesswork out of uh, you know, updating your ship and upgrading it? Um, is this a good thing or a bad thing, Jarvis? Um, I don't know. It kind of depends whether you have to go a long way out of your way to go and uh, to go and do it. And there is obviously the thing that it does focus a lot of players in one place because obviously if you go to this system and buy another ship then the previous ship you leave behind if you you know if you don't if you don't trade it in uh, ends up left behind at that system so if you if you want to say you know keep your cobra and buy something else you then have to go back to there in order to kind of jump back into it so there is there is a danger of kind of making it a a kind of hub for player activity in, in a sort of unnatural way at the same time, I think there's. It's not always very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess transparent exactly which systems you can buy which upgrades in. I mean, there's no in-game way of kind of you know in the, in the same way that you can look on the star map and you can say, well, that's an agricultural planet, so and I'll get a good price on tea. There's no way of looking at a system and saying, well, they'll definitely sell type sixes for example. So to have somewhere that you definitely know you can go to to pick up something you're looking for is very valuable. But I think I would personally rather see some kind of in-game mechanism that actually allows you to see where all these different components are, you know, in their kind of place in the, the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, okay, anything else from that particular part of the newsletter before we talk about uh, Michael Brooks's dev update that anybody wants to cover off? No, excellent. Okay, well, leading on from last week's uh, personalization, this week's update from the wonderful Mr. Brooks um, is all about progression. And I know we talked last week in terms of the fact that we're going to see some some avatars and stuff in there, and it's starting to venture a little bit more to what we saw in Frontier and adding that sort of extra level of immersion um, into the game, which we all decided I think was a, it was a great thing. This is now talking about the uh, the progression within minor factions, within reputation, within rewards and all of that sort of stuff, which I have to say at the moment in terms of missions, I still think is a bit sort of confusing. So hopefully with uh, 2.1 and engineers, uh, this is going to be solved or at least certainly made better. Uh, so what's he had to say? So obviously within the minor factions, there are five levels of reputation, uh, which again, I didn't realize uh, in the current state. So there's hated, disliked, neutral, uh, liked and allied um, with a new one being added between neutral and liked. Um, so as you do these missions, you're going to be rewarded with either credits, but uh, there's also going to be an element within narrative 
Um, that will also be a little bit more clear in terms of saying that, you know, well done, this is the uh, outcome of the mission, your rep has increased with us. Uh, you also should see that mission givers will change as you progress up and down the ranks. Something I wasn't sure about, in Frontier, when you were going up the, the military ranking system, did you change who gave you the missions as you became different ranks? Can anybody remember? Oh, is that long ago? We're talking Frontier, are we? Frontier or First Encounters. So when you went up from uh, one uh, military level to another, the person that was giving you out the missions, um, did he change or did she change uh, as you went up a rank? Or was it literally just that the missions that were greyed out previously suddenly came into play? I don't remember them necessarily being persistent. Um, people did change, and I think maybe... Uh, maybe the kind of dialogue with them you got altered slightly as you went up through the ranks. Like maybe they treated you a bit more seriously in terms of the faces. I don't think I could 100% put a finger on it. No, I think it probably didn't. Um, I think it was literally probably just that the missions that were previously greyed out because you didn't have a high enough rank just came back into play. I think you could see them like you can with the, the current missions in Elite Dangerous, but you obviously aren't, aren't able to access them. I think that was the only change. Um, again, it's probably my uh, my 15-year-old self uh, putting a, a bit of narrative around <laughs> the bare bones of the game. Um, okay, so mission givers in this case actually will change as you progress up and down the ranks, which I think is a really nice touch. Uh, and mission givers will also express what affects the success or failure of a particular mission has on their minor faction. Now, this is a one that I thought was quite good because obviously at the moment when you finish a mission, you get the, the stats. Um, you know, this has gone up, that's gone down. But does anybody actually understand what that stuff means? No. Wall of silence. Not. <laughs> no, exactly. So if there was a way that they can actually tie in um, those current stats that are in game to stuff that you can understand about your um, the faction um, and just make it a little bit more I don't know, immersive, realistic, whatever you want to say about it. Um, it just helps you engage a little bit more with that particular minor faction, just make you, I don't know, have a little bit more of a bond, a connection with it, would you say? Well, it will, it will help to. Um, just the fact that you're going to have what looks like people to interact with might help, because I do know that's been... Um, that, that that's something that I did notice when I did go back and look at first encounters a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, I think I think um, Michael Brooks went over some of the different ways that your progress affects uh, or your mission results affect how your relationship is with uh, the factions um, a couple of weeks ago. And it did, one of the things that surprised me is, is if a faction is in a certain state, then there's no point running certain type of missions because you won't get any credit for it. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and that's the thing that currently in its current iteration, I think is quite confusing that you're never entirely sure if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Uh, certainly when it comes to trying to you know, flip systems and stuff, you, you, know, you, you need a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge about the, the background simulation to, to make sure you're actually doing the right thing to, to move things forward. Um, okay. Um, Grant, what's your opinion on the latest sort of, uh, mission tweaking and from engineers? Well, I mean, uh, I was looking at the the David Braben mentioned <laughs> David Braben mentioned it in the interview. Did in PC Gamer uh, was talking about the fact that you know he, he likes uh, engineers to be that kind of mystical person that you either have a chance meeting with or you you have to seek them out by following the breadcrumbs left by other commanders that have passed them or found them on the likes of Reddit. But even when you find them, you might find that they don't actually give a crap about you personally. Um, He likened it to the engineer in Vietnam that was doing modifications to helicopters to boost the engine so they had a a, a real clear boost of uh, power getting them off the ground which, although um, ultimately shortened the life of the engines, um, the helicopter pilots loved it because it meant that they were not the last one in firing range. So it was, you know, that was the kind of thing. This guy that's doing these little tweaks that no one else will do and gives you that small boost of benefit, but may well have a detriment over time. Uh, but again, equally, you're going to have to work on your rep with them in order to get them to do what you'd want them to do. Um, it might be nice, actually, if you had a situation where negative rep meant that they would sabotage your ship, you know, really sort of deliberately screw you over. You're like, yeah, yeah, mate, it'll give you, you know, an extra couple of uh, light years on your um, frame shift jump. Yeah, not a problem, it'll be awesome. And then you sort of press it and you hear that boom, 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 shields <laughs> offline. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be awesome, you know. But that's the kind of they're they're looking for that kind of that kind of. Oh look, I found an engineer. Right, what can you do for me? Oh, uh, uh, I could maybe um, you know extend your landing gear so you don't have to go down as near to the pad as you usually have to. And you're thinking, what's the point in that? I've come all this way. You just go come and give me a. So I think you know it's a lot of fun, but ultimately we're just gonna have to wait and see. Something that was really interesting in that article that's worth mentioning. Uh, this is obviously not not quite to do with the the engineer topic, but it was talking about missions and that there are missions in game that he knows not many commanders have actually taken. And he says that um, you know that the the way that players currently play, which is to sort of stay in their home systems and uh, support their minor factions, actually is kind of preventing us from discovering some of the uniqueness that's in the game for us to get to. So I thought that was quite a, a tell telling um, bit of advice for us all. If you want to find something unique, get your arses out of the core and or get your arses out of the way and go to those more remote um, stations. So there must be some it's interesting missions. Yeah, it's interesting that that's the opposite of, <laughs> of what he said in our interview. It's not totally the opposite, but he was talking about, uh, I don't obviously spoil the interview, but uh, he was talking about how they noticed that a lot of players tend to do the same things over and over. Uh, in the games, so they and he was saying that when you know he'd been playing the game, he'd been travelling around from system to system, and he hardly ever got any missions unlocked because he wasn't allied with any factions. 
So on the flip side, he was saying, oh. you know, if you stay in one system and you become friendly with with a particular faction, you actually get more mission choice than well, if you're constantly travelling around doing things. I'm wondering if maybe the articles misreported it, or maybe I just misread it. I think it's probably a bit of both. I think there's, <laughs> you know, there's bonuses. I think there's benefits. There's benefits to staying in one place, and there's also obviously benefits to going out and exploring the galaxy. Um, I think you just get different results depending on what you want. It might be the fact that these remote missions are in, in systems that nobody really goes to because they're right on the fringes uh, of of the bubble. So, you know, you go out to one of the fringe systems, which is just a little outpost somewhere, and there might be one of these uh, these special missions, if you like, out there for, for people to discover. But when you think about it, hardly anybody goes to those kind of uh, outposts. Yeah, I think it was. I was so intimidated by the uh, the massive guns uh, that uh, Michael Brooks was also talking about in the uh, in the dev update that I obviously just couldn't speak. Um, or look indeed <laughs> at the uh, peak of the week that's in the newsletter. Um, these guns, I'm assuming, are going to be going on the uh, the Anaconda or the Corvettes uh, and the is it the Cutter or the Clipper? I, I, I never remember which way around they go. Um, but yes, we have some some massive massive weaponry uh, coming into game with uh, with 2.1. So we have uh, a huge beam laser, a huge beam laser, uh, and a pulse laser, and multi cannons being added. Uh, what did you guys reckon to these on the on the peak of the week? Can you see uh, can you see your ships having these massive um, shafts sticking out of them? I love okay, the I idea think... of a gun so big it can fire a projectile bigger than the ship it's being aimed at. I just I love the idea of being <laughs> in the ship and your cockpit goes dark as this projectile approaches you. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean I think I think weapons has probably been quite. Uh, Underloved since um, Elite Dangerous came out. I think you know it's definitely awesome. I know Mike Evans is, is you know one of the guys that was very very keen on keeping introducing new stuff and new types of weapons. And okay, this is more kind of like a reinvestment of existing weapons, but still quite exciting. Yeah, definitely, Colin. You were about to say something. Oh yeah, well I was just about to say to. Typical Grant to jump in on the big weapon gag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these these things have, have been missing. There's been a lot of people who have been saying, right, we like plasma accelerators, but we need we need our class three multi cannons and and things to basically scare people with. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, if uh, it's difficult to get some uh, some indication of uh, of size with these, but uh, you can imagine if they're as big as what they potentially could be. Looking at the uh, the imageries, then uh, they're going to be quite intimidating. Seeing one of these things mounted on uh, on top of uh, of an anaconda. Um, the question is, though, with something that large, is it going to actually be possible to hit something like a sidewinder with something that size, or is it? Do you think it's mainly going to be aimed at sort of your, you know, your big ship versus big ship, your anaconda versus anaconda, or your anaconda versus corvette sort of uh, battles? Uh, Jarvis, I don't know because I mean you've got. I've got to make a confession. I've never had a ship big enough to warrant one of these oversized weapons. So I can't, I can't with any authority speak about their performance. I mean, is the huge... I mean, I, I really like the idea of the huge multi-cannon because I love the multi-cannons. Um, I presume, though, the huge weapon doesn't track. You wouldn't think so, would you? 
I, I don't know. I've never, I've never flown a ship with a mass, with a huge hard point. So, well, put it this way: the the, the large um, uh, plasma accelerator doesn't track. It's it's kind of like a dumb fire, really. Yeah. Uh, but if it hits you, you might as well just wipe yourself off and say, "Right, that's it. Good night, Vienna." Um, I mean, chat is saying that all the new guns are fixed. I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think if you've got a weapon that size, really, it's about. You know, it's about pounding into a kind of um, the big interdictors, isn't it, really, rather than... It's not really designed for picking off noobs in Sidewinders. Um, I mean, you can kind of imagine a couple of... Uh, what's got the what's got the huge thing? I guess the um, uh, Federal Hutter must have it. Yeah, you'd imagine so. Yeah, I mean, those two ships... We're just wailing on each other with kind of you know huge uh, projectiles would be amazing, just amazing. Well, I've, I've seen um, two of the of the big cutters go at each other in uh, in conflict zones over here in the Empire, and that is it's certainly something you want to stay out of the way of. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to fly in between those two ships when they're hacking away at each other. Do you not think that this could just be the tool that we need, though, uh, to get to the next level of uh, alien interaction? Could this be the stuff that we can actually crack open a barnacle with? Do you reckon that's why it's coming to the game? This is the sort of the level of weaponry that we need to uh, to sort of take some uh, take some damage with the barnacles. Hmm. I have a little bit of an issue with the barnacles, especially with what uh, Mr. Braben was saying in the in the interview in PC Gamer. He, he was there saying in the PC Gamer interview that, oh, players just shoot them because, uh, effectively, that's what we've always done. <laughs> you know, we come across <laughs> somewhere new and we shoot them. And, and I'm just there thinking, hang on, you didn't give us any other way to interact with it. People were scanning with it, people were bumping into it, people were trying everything. And the last thing they did was shoot. Well, actually, the majority of people asked people that shoot, and then all of a sudden, down came the ones who went, oh, sod it, and just shot. But it just it, it just got me a little bit. I said, hang on, we tried everything first. Only thing we could do was shoot. <laughs> really? Because what, what did they try first? Was it 2000? Not 2001. Was it Close Encounters, where they went up with the uh, the light boards? You know, you could, we could have tried flashing our lights at this thing. Did anybody try that? <laughs> yeah. No, but there is an argument to say, though, in a game that you you can only apply the levers that that you have in a game. And it's like the old saying about, you know, when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail. Um, (laughs) That's kind of the issue you've got in the sense that, you know, if, if, if really your main tool with interacting with your environment is a gun, then, you know, what else are you going to do? Yeah, no, I think that's a valid point. Um, but anyway, it'd be interesting to see exactly what sort of impact these uh, these heavy heavy weapons have to uh, to gameplay. Um, and hopefully, you would imagine with the uh, the smaller ships should be able to dodge out of the way. That, that's what I would hope, anyway. Um, okay, well, that's going to do for the dev news this week. What we're going to do is we'll take a advert break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about our wild speculation topic of the week, which is what's going to be released in two point four. The update two point four at the end of the year. 
We buy any ship. Bar none. We buy any ship. Bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship. Bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship Bar None are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, we take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Moray, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsall, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. Hi, I'm Trent Stephen Findlist Jr. and I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name is Pete and I'm a long distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Leasty to Sawayo. I love my family and I don't mind being a hard working blue collar dad, but I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week, did a week of shifts and now my kids got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. We aim to put the freeze on the premature ageing of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. Never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent, that sounds great. Where do I sign? Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts. No need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Findalist Cryogenics, now at your local spaceport. Findalist Cryogenics, because the family that grows old together goes cold together. Okay, so the main thing of this week uh, is one of our wonderful wild speculation topics. These are the things that we love doing on this show because we have absolutely no basis for our speculation whatsoever. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, Horizons, the season pass, will give you planetary landings, which is obviously available now. We've got uh, the Engineers, which is coming in 2.1, which is sort of headlined at sort of spring 2016. Then we've got the Guardians coming out in um, summer 2016, and then in... They say fall, but let's call it autumn. Uh, you have the Commander's uh, update coming out. And then, after autumn, there is a, a to-be-announced 2.4, a secret revealed an Elite Dangerous Horizons final expansion. So, wild speculation, starting with Mr. Ford. What do you think that secret reveal could be for uh, the end of the year? Simply one word, Invasion. I, I reckon at this point, this point at the end of this year, we will be seeing something come in and scare the living pants off us. We've we've, we've lost a capital ship in uh, in Fasis. Uh, the barnacles do, and these unidentified ships seem to be flying everywhere. I think something is building up quite nicely for something at the end of the year. 
Okay, so you think you think alien invasion. So do you think Thargoids? Do you think a race we haven't seen before? Do you think maybe something the humans are cooking up as some part of a big conspiracy theory, aka like the X-Files? What, what sort of things do you reckon are out there? Well, the most obvious one would be the Thargoids. However, um, knowing knowing the frontier people as we do, I got a sneaking suspicion they'll they'll double blind us with something else, and the Thargoids will still be remained off the side as a big bag, big bad brother. Mm. So is this going to be something that uh, eventually means we you know, we team up with the Thargoids to save the galaxy, or do you reckon the, gal- the, the Thargoids will come you know, half <laughs> halfway through the battle? Um, you know, and, the, and which side they're going to land on is going to be sort of all in, yeah, you know, all in uh, up in the air. Well, it would be it would be interesting to see if. Uh the, the side that the Thargoids would choose in this hypothetical situation was determined by the players. Um, some people might think, right, okay, um, well, let's, let's be honest, we've been blatting away at those uh, <laughs> barnacles for the last couple of weeks, and I don't, I don't think people would be too happy if you came back to your mining barnacle or, or whatever it really is for, just to find a load of humans just basically picking it apart. <laughs> right okay um so where does that lead you then so obviously 2.4 is the final sort of um the final update before you go into season three which may seem like a long way away but surely you'd want something in the the final update that was going to i either tease or feed into season three what sort of things do you reckon that would then lead to in season three obviously you'd have new new alien ships that uh would appear in the galaxy maybe some new sort of missions but do you reckon you can get an entire season out of Thargoids or Aliens? Well, no, no. I, th- I, th- I think you can... It's a good kicking-off point, just like um, uh, Horizon's planetary landing is a good kicking-off point. Um, but there's a whole lot of extra functionality that can come in that comes off the back of that. Uh, for instance, oh, <laughs> you might now have to have do uh, missions where you... You have to photograph certain um, installations on planets or bombing missions or anything like that because we've not seen anything like that. Or I haven't actually seen anything like that in the missions so far. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so we've got we've got aliens of some description and an invasion of the galaxy. Uh, I'm going to suggest that's a bit soon. I think you can get <laughs> a lot more uh, milk out of this cow before you have to uh, bring aliens into the mix. Um, so I think uh, 2.4 is actually going to be a tease for Season 3. I think it's going to be walking around first-person view in your ships, just your ships, not out on stations or out down on planets or anything like that. It's just going to be in ships. Uh, for 2.4 and that's going to be the teaser for season 3 which is going to be uh, walking around uh, and doing all the the other things or as uh, Jarvis explained it last week uh, it's going to be Elite Dangerous uh, Shoes because you're going to spend all your time looking at your shoes. Um, and I'm not that is such an outrageous claim. You can't just say, you can't just say, oh yeah, suddenly in the middle of this season that is all about landing on planets. Yeah, just as a, just as a point release, we're going to implement a first-person module. Really? Oh, I don't know. I think it teased out quite nicely. And, you know, there's, there's some backing for my theory on Facebook as well. It was Jason, uh, Jason Carthus on Facebook also had the same idea as I did uh, about this, uh, that it was going to be like a teaser for season three. Um, I think it would oh, work. Oh, well, that Facebook agrees. 
<laughs> that, that, that legitimizes the whole theory. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, Jarvis, you, you jump in here. What's your big theory for 2.4? I don't have a big theory, but I mean, come on. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, 2.4, what have we had? We've got engineers, we've got multi-ships, we've got multi-crew. I don't know, maybe they'll, um, there might be a change to power play. I think, uh, you know, given that, you know, they've perhaps expressed <laughs> in a recent interview that, that, you know, power play hasn't quite worked in the way that they're hoping it works, 2.4 might see like a major change to something along the same sort of layer as power play. So a meta game uh, over the whole kind of thing. Maybe control, maybe, you know, power play in a, in a new way that sort of affects control of planetary bodies uh, to sort of tie in with the horizon stuff. Okay, not to go negative on this. And obviously we don't go negative on this show. We can possibly help it. But... Considering how well power play has been received, are you literally going to build an entire season where you're asking people for money up front and you're going to launch it by saying, this season's going to be all about power play. Now give us your money. But I don't think 2.4 is about selling next season. Right, okay. So you think 2.4 could just be about about a culmination of of, of Horizons? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I think... to be honest, I think if it's if, if we're talking about 2.4 being a kind of season finale before season three to kind of sell it, I'm more with Colin. I'm more, I'm, you know, I'm more on a plot heavy stuff that they will launch some kind of additional faction uh, that is a not necessarily an enemy, but certainly a new power. Because the thing is, we've got with the with the Empire and the Federation and the Alliance is there's a bit of a it's a very steady relationship between them. And I think, actually, if you were to throw another completely different kind of group into that environment, then you would start to, to force more effective wedges in to that that politic. Well, Commander ba- Babster on the, uh, uh, just suggested that the Alliance gets capital ships. Yeah, and that would be an interesting point. Because you say, you know, you, you add an extra faction into the mix or give, give a little bit more variety and a change in game style. Well, you know, before you go to Aliens, then surely you should give the Alliance some love. We've had, you know, lots of uh, time spent on the Imperials, lots of time spent on the Federation. We still haven't got any Alliance ships out there. Forget about the, the big capital ships, but, you know, how about some, you know, smaller ships like the, you know, the Anacondas or the Cutters and, you know, give the Alliance their own particular sort of shipyards and their own particular style of, uh, of ships. And, you know, that would lead you on quite nicely to Season 3 where, you know, maybe the Alliance are pushing forward. Mm. Maybe. Could lead um, to a, a faction war. A faction war, exactly. You don't need to go to aliens. I just think it's a bit soon. I know we've had barnacles, and I know we've had other bits and pieces, which kind of sort of draw you towards the alien side of things. But considering they want this game to stretch out for ten years, I think you know season three, uh, only their second update to to go all in with the you know, the alien story. I just think it's a, just it's just a bit blowing your load too soon, really. Stabler. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a that wasn't a great time to come to you. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's the best intro. That's one of the best intros John's ever had. <laughs> oh, I do apologise, Stapler. Take it from there. Uh, quite often, I'm told I better not blow my load too soon. <laughs> it's not the first time. Right? Okay. Um, I'm going to go for Grand Theft Spaceship. Um, so I think that uh, it would be cool if you could actually uh, steal some, board other people's spaceships. 
Uh, that's something they mentioned way back when. Um, and so I guess that would mean that they'd need to implement like multi-crew at least and walking around. Um, so that, you know, combined with, you know, stealing some ships, that'd be cool. Okay, um, so that kind that kind of sort of figures into what I was saying about a first-person mode. So obviously 2.3 is the commanders, which is obviously people teaming up on the bridge together. Um, 2.4 being sort of first-person and ship-to-ship and boarding parties would work quite well. Yeah, that's, that's my educated guess. So, uh, because we're not going to see landing on atmospheric planets for a while, are we? Because no. I think that's going to take a ton of work. Um, so maybe in the, in the, th- you know, you'd think that that would naturally go hand in hand with being able to walk around. But I think it's just going to take so much effort that we're probably going to have to wait till the next season for that. So that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for, uh, you know, first person and, and boarding and stealing ships. Okay, great shout. Oh, and I've missed these wild speculation episodes. <laughs> I, I, I think we're going to get cheese jackets. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I mean, if it is possible to steal other players' ships, it brings into the game a whole new level of annoying other players, doesn't it? So uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how they're going to, uh, you know, because you'll have people turning up in a Sidewinder and stealing an anaconda or something. <laughs> You're just leaving you in an anaconda of all things. <laughs> In a sidewinder, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Um, but yeah, but don't worry about it because obviously, you know, Elite Dangerous is all set up for different sort of play modes. So, you know, if someone starts to look like they're going to board your your anaconda, then you just go into solo, and then you don't have to worry about people boarding your anaconda. Oh well, technically, if it's during combat, isn't that against the game's terms and conditions? Yeah, could be. Could be. Okay, Grant, take it from, uh, finish this off. What, what do you think is going to be in 2.4? Oh, microtransactions. Um, station, oh, station farming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> offline mode. <laughs> oh, dear. You did say wild speculation, didn't you? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think a galactic war is on the cards. I think it would be nice to see the sort of political powers, you know, the alliance and federation splitting. Um, so maybe it will be called war. You know, it'll be a, a big space battles. And, and again, that would bring in power play as well. You know, like a gigantic. I mean, power play is ideal for a sort of gigantic space game of Risk, but it just doesn't feel like that. Um, and I think if that was what you know they turned powers, power play into, then that'd be awesome. And if you know we create a war whereby you know you see that gigantic space jelly being used to represent the sort of uh, ground that Federation space has taken and that the Imperials have taken and then you've got all the other ones that sort of like, oh, I don't know, there'd be cupcakes for the um, the Alliance because they've got nothing. Um, <laughs> nobody fights for them because, you know, everyone says, oh, no, I'm an independent. Yeah, are you? Let's have a look at your Imperial ranking. Oh, that says another thing altogether, doesn't it? Someone like trading Imperial slaves, do they? Mm, that's not very independent, is it? It's not like you've got Del Boy spray-painted on the outside of your three-wheeled blooming anaconda. And um, I think, you know, I think a war would be awesome. I really do. Um... Someone was just asking in the uh, in the chat for the for Jarvis and I. Obviously, we went to uh, uh, to Frontier Towers uh, without breaking our NDA. Did we see any hints of two point four whilst we were there? I think the honest answer is no. Jarvis. Yeah, I'd have to say no. I mean, I'd have to say no anyway. Or 
I don't know. It, it, it'd, be, it'd be different. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I know or not. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think uh, everyone, to me, to be honest, everyone looked like they were very hard at work on engineers. Mm. I wouldn't. Yeah, there was... I wouldn't. I wouldn't expecting expect them to be on full pelt for two point four at this stage. Um, I mean, I suppose there's every possibility that they've got pictures of stuff planned for two point four pinned up on the wall or something, but it wouldn't mean anything to us. No. Um, you know. So I can say, in all honesty, that uh, nothing, nothing at all. Otherwise, our wild speculation would be maybe less wild. But um, what, Lincoln- though, there was a very, there was a couple of very interesting answers in David Braben's interview for our episode one hundred uh, about a couple of things. So we'll see if those get edited out or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but there were just some just some interesting points about not really necessarily, obviously, you know, no, no giving away about content. Um, apart from one little slip, which we'll wait and see if that gets edited out. Um, and uh, but just interesting about the way Frontier are working uh, and how forthcoming content is kind of being worked on, should we say? So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, linking it all to the whole Barnacles thing. I mean, maybe we could see if this whole f- faction war that you're talking about. Maybe we could see the Barnacles coming into play as being. You know, you, you, we crack the code as to what they are, and we find out that they obviously contain this mineral or something that adds a lot more power, and uh, it becomes you know the thing that people have to claim, like oil is currently. You know, so you see the big factions trying to take over any planets that they could find with uh, with barnacles on, just so that they can mine and harvest them, um, and try and get an advantage over the other factions. So that could be your you know your, your tipping point into a faction warfare um, scenario which would work quite nicely. Okay, well, I think unless anybody else has got any more wild speculation to throw at this particular topic, uh, what we'll do is we'll close that down and, uh, again, quick advert break and then head back for Community Corner. Is your life like this? It could be like this. Championship in our galaxy. Participate in these events. Place your bets on the winner and enjoy the videos. Get ready when we call out every weekend for the most famous and dangerous PvP clans to fight against each other. Who 
It's even louder than me. Wait a minute. I can't be right. Okay, and for Community Corner this week, obviously you've just heard it there. The first shout-out you wanted to give is to Boogie Boogies, a player versus player league in um, Elite Dangerous. If you are a PvP player and you want to get into uh, some player versus player leagues, uh, then have a look on the forum. Search for PvP League in Elite Dangerous or search for Oogie Boogie uh, and get yourself signed up for the leagues. Um, hopefully that'll that'll kick off and, and go well for them because uh, it'll be quite nice to follow a, a sort of a, a league uh, for PvP and see who the... Uh, who the movers and shakers are in terms of uh, of combat? Because obviously we had in alpha and beta we had the wonderful commander Snuffler who became you know, infamous in terms of his uh, his piloting skills and his ability to kick my ass all over the the asteroid belt. Um, but so it'd be quite nice to see how that uh, that stacks up these days and see uh, see who actually is very very good at PvP. These things that you guys want to get involved with, are you guys, uh, I know Colin, you do the, the CQC. Do you reckon you could take on a bit of PvP? Uh, I'll, I'll certainly give it a go. Um, I must admit, any time that I've been jumped by any pirates, um, I haven't done as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, I say after my uh, my horrible admission to that uh, that one time, I've done some combat logging. I've been interdicted a couple of times uh, since then, and yes, I'd love to say that I uh, I stood my ground and, and fought a, a hard won battle. But actually, most of the time, I literally just strike my colours and hope that they're going to actually hail me and uh, and ask for some cargo. And uh, I'm I'm all about the negotiations and trying to whittle people down to stealing the least amount of cargo I can get away with without being blown up. So, uh, uh, but thank you to those players in game that have uh, have pirated me over the last uh, few days who have decided to actually open up in dialogue. I don't actually mind being pirated if there's a bit of uh, a bit of role play action to be gone through at the same time. So, uh, thank you to them. Um, Speaking about role playing and speaking about the uh, uh, the meta game within the uh, Elite Dangerous Galaxy, uh, we've got some interesting news about Emperor's Grace. Now, for those people that don't follow the um, the player led factions, Emperor's Grace is what's classed as a triple elite status uh, player group, um, which basically means they have the the ear of frontier developers. So they basically help out in terms of. Uh, yeah, if ever the, the Frontier devs need some information on how player groups are working or if a certain mechanic in-game works, uh, then they can obviously go to Emperor's Grace and, uh, and get them to help out. So Emperor's Grace have their own home system, uh, which is actually the Novas system, N-O-V-A-S. And it turns out, for what they're supposed to be, a massive player group, they've just had their home system taken off them by another player group called Diamond Frogs, who spent a month working in the Novas system, doing various missions and doing things to increase the influence of a different faction to get Empress Grace thrown out of their home system. Um, guys, have you been following this story? 
Um, yes. I'm afraid not. Yes. Oh, go on then. <laughs> as, as you know, we are obviously, as Hutton Truckers, we're quite affiliated with the Diamond Frogs and we've worked with them on a number of projects. They've been very, very good and helpful to us and keeping an eye on our particular um, home influence. And during our expansion attempts, there's points where our political team will um, constantly keep us updated with what we need to do mission wise in order to get into boom state. You must keep your influence at 75%. So you're focusing on that. You might not be focusing on the other parts of your function, the other f- bits of land that you might own, if you pardon the expression, get off my land. <laughs> but you have a number of different fronts that you have to fight on. It's part of the joy, it's part of the fun of being in a minor faction, is the fact that you have so many things going on to watch. So, when you're trying to get your influence up in a system, you've got to remember to every so often check on your home system because somebody could quite easily come in behind you and they start hammering away and your influence drops down and you end up in a, a bit of an issue and unfortunately for Emperor's Grace that's exactly what's happened their eyes been off the ball their players haven't noticed that this is happening and haven't been able to take action quick enough to resolve it and um, it's led to them being bumped out of their home system now it should mean that they've moved somewhere else so they have an opportunity to expand and come back in so it's not the end of the world and in fact role play terms it's a, it's a wonderful story to have you know how you were forced out by some evil dictators and you managed to battle your way back in and if you've got the players you know it doesn't take that long uh, unfortunately you're going to have to get your influence up in the system you're in take over the stations and then work your way back up uh, and then get into a boom state sorry into an expansion state and then hope that you move back into your main system so it's it's a very interesting development and for such a large player group to be caught napping is it's a bit of an embarrassment really i mean we were obviously as truckers we were just about to go into an expansion there we'd secured uh, all the sort of influence we needed in wise we've been doing loads of work trying to make sure that was all good and then you know we noticed that actually while we've been in, in boom state we were dropping below the 75% influence that we required to expand so instantly you know you put the call out you get your, your team members to sort of start boosting it and before you know it you're back up and you're you're you know you're back on the ball and we've been really lucky and have expanded for a second time to a system that has a big pad we can land our big <laughs> ships now so it's it's a wonderful part of the game to be involved in but it is very quick sometimes for these things to uh, catch you unawares but i don't really see I don't understand how Emperor's Grace missed this attack happening. Well, this is it, because, you know, I mean, you say for such a massive uh, player group, and that's one of the things that's sort of been thrown into question here. Obviously, the, the website's active, and, you know, their forums seem to be active, um, but there's been a question thrown at them as to whether or not they're actually as big as they've been marketing themselves as being, because if you look at the breakdown given by the leader of um, Diamond Frogs, Kermit Big Frog Lefroig, um, he explained how they actually uh, went about doing this, because the number system is a big system and uh, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong with my limited understanding that the higher your population is in a particular system the longer it takes for you to gain the influence and actually get that system flipped so um, 
Kermit basically said that they didn't do a lot of um, you know, intense work here. It basically took a... So, yeah, so one or two uh, wings of, you know, two or three fighters daily working on missions that are going to uh, disrupt. And it took them a month to, to flip this system. And for that entire month, nobody saw any sign of anybody in Emperor's Grace trying to disrupt them. It was all done in open. It wasn't done in solo or anything like that. So it was all done in open. But they never once had anybody from Emperor's Grace actually confronting them saying, yeah, what are you doing in this system? You know, or trying to take them down or even trying to redress some of the balance on the influence that they'd been losing. So can I, can I just say that now might not be a good time to be mocking other player group for the size of their community player base. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But obviously, with, in, terms that of, in terms of yeah, Emperor's Grace, it's a well-known one within the Elite Dangerous uh, player groups in terms of being uh, of a certain size. And the question is, is it just a question of them taking their eye off the board, uh, ball, trying to expand into other regions, um, or is it that they're actually not as big as they made themselves out to be? Grant? Um, I think it's, I don't know, I mean obviously we're not part or privy to how they run their group and it may well be that they're focusing on something a bit more out, out with uh, their home system and, and unfortunately they have been caught napping. Um, I, I don't know for certain, but it's kind of incredulous to believe that, you know, we've got, obviously as Hutton Truckers, we're not as big, I don't think, as, as they are. And But I think it's just a case of maybe their interest has waned. Uh, maybe that's the degree of it, they've just kind of lost love. And therefore, yeah, possibly. you know, you know they're, they're, they're not paying attention as much as they were. In which well, case, in, um, it's a shame. Start going. Yeah, um, but in a, in a really nice gesture because obviously, supposedly, the, the Diamond Frogs and Emperor's Grace go back a long way, um, as some of these big player groups tend to do. Um, <laughs> big Frog Lefroyd is giving them a month of unhindered access back into their system to try and reset the uh, or redress the balance and get their home system back. So uh, we did approach Emperor's Grace for a, a comment, but... Uh, there was nobody there, which kind of seems to be on the theme of this, but it's one that we'll definitely keep our uh, keep our eye on when and, something uh, like and see how it progresses. Something like this. Hello? Hello? Empress <laughs> Grace? Anyone there? <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um... Let's have a look. Uh, final uh, thing for the community corner again is just around our um, our hundredth episode celebrations. Uh, you might see on Facebook and on Twitter that uh, we've asked for uh, anybody that wants to record a little piece for the show to go out on the hundredth episode. Um, maybe your favourite moment of uh, late radio, you know, a funny story that's happened whilst you were listening to something on the radio, something like that, or you know, a favourite moment from maybe one of the community-led things that's happened from late radio such as LaveCon, uh, jot it down on a MP3 and send it to info at laveradio.com. And uh, if it gets played out on the air, then we will send you a wonderful Lave Radio Sidewinder uh, decal. Uh, you can stick a nice vinyl decal made by our friend Russell Pitcher. Um, go and check out Facebook or uh, laveradio.com to see what they look like. Uh, but they're very, very cool. And anybody whose message gets read out on the 100th episode uh, or played on the 100th episode will receive one of those in the post. Uh, massive thank you to everybody that has already sent us messages through. Uh, we have been inundated over the last few days. Um, but obviously, the more, the merrier. 
Uh, okay, anybody else got any shout-outs they want to do for the uh, Community Corner this week? Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple. Uh, the, the standard one is to uh, Dave Hughes and, and the role-playing game. Um, I must admit, uh, we've had some really good progress on it uh, this week. We've had the tabletop game where we've had the biggest battle we've ever had, which has been one clipper versus a Ferdinand's <laughs> two sidewinders and two eagles, and the uh, the clipper came out on top, which is what you kind of wanted. Um, uh, and, and another one is that um, there was this, a uh, a query about whether or not um, gravity was modelled correctly in um, in Elite Dangerous, and there is um, a, a video out there uh, of someone in a Sidewinder actually switching their engines off and being able to orbit um, in, oh, I've, I've got to get my pronunciation right Encladius, which is one of the, the small moons of Saturn uh, and they were able to switch the engines off and just stay in a permanent orbit around the moon uh, just proving that the gravity model does work <laughs> Cool, and I think that was uh, was our friend Karash who uh, who pointed that one out. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do it, but uh, he <laughs> did discover it for us. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, well, I can't think there's anything else that we need to cover off on the show. So, just one more. Oh, hold on, just before I was going to say, what about uh, Grant and Elite Meat? <laughs> that was it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it already, yes. Elite Meat is on the 2nd of April <laughs> this year, and of course is being held in Glasgow. You can find out information, hotels. The actual venue hotel is, is pretty much fully booked. Uh, I think it's totally booked, actually, which is amazing. We're going to go in and sort out all those rooms tomorrow, and we'll do a couple of checks in the, the venue and some ideas for setups. But if you want information on other accommodation that is nearby, then it's all easily figureable from our website, elitemeet.info. Thanks, Alien, for that domain. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to sort of have a look and book tickets for the event, they are £20 and include a lovely, tasty um, buffet for lunch, which is great and has the best sausage rolls known to man. <laughs> great stuff. I don't doubt it, mate. I'm, I'm sure you have tested and sampled, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, your word is golden on that front. Definitely, it's just like, deep fry. <laughs> like the crust on those sausage rolls, golden. <laughs> I think they'll just leave that one there. Okay, so that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch for the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash Lave Radio, or you can join our TeamSpeak chat channel at laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Obviously, this radio station is recording live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 p.m. UK time and streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live if you prefer your elite dangerous podcast slightly more role play then of course you can check out the broadcast of our sister station hutton orbital radio at huttonorbital.com thank you very much to jarvis to stabler to colin to grant and thank you to everybody that's joined us in the chat channels until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous Oh,
Hello, this is Kermit LaFlory. Is there anyone in here? Uh, Emperor's Grace? Anyone? Oh. Two seconds, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 